Welcome to the Not Your Average My podcast, where four Hmong American women working to move our community forward one conversation at a time. So tune in every month with Liz, Mania, Monica, and Katie as we dive into politics, pop culture, and all things related to being Hmong American. Let's get it. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average My. We can't believe it's already summer. I'm super excited to come back and release another episode before we close out the season. It's definitely been a whirlwind. I feel like this year has gone by so fast. Um, so what's what's everyone been up to? Um, so you all can't see us right now because we're not on video, but we have Monica and Liz and Katie all in the same place. Finally. First time in a while. For sure. That's right. That's right. That pandemic life, y'all. It was rough. It's been rough. Still rough. It's still rough. (laughs) So three of them are sitting up in Katie's attic. Yes. Up here. But Um, it's a recording studio attic. Yes. Oh. You know, maybe our acoustics will be better. Who knows? Let us know in the comments, friends. Yeah. We've, um, we, Liz and I came home for the first time in a year and a half. Um, so it's been really nice to catch up with everybody. And there's been so much that has happened since, I feel like, since we last had our last conversation. Yeah, that's um, right. I graduated. Woo! Yay! Yay! And then I also started my new job on the same day, which has yes. been crazy. Congratulations. Yay. Yay. Oh. Off that student loan. I know, mm-hmm. seriously. I have so many loans. Thanks, y'all. Um, it's so been- what's the new job? Tell us a little bit about it. So the new job is a national grassroots campaign effort to get people to trust the vaccine and to get them vaccinated, right? Because um, we know that a lot of our communities of color have been hit hardest by the by the virus and have the most like barriers to accessing the vaccine. So mm-hmm. my job as a regional like program director is to really um, find the CBOs and community groups on the ground who are already doing the outreach work. And mm-hmm. my role is to basically uplift them and give them money to do all the like outreach work. So we're trying to vaccinate hopefully as many people as we can before this job ends next year in July. Our goal is to have 10 million conversations by wow. next year, y'all. That is awesome. Are you crying? Yeah. Awesome. No, I'm not crying. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just sick, y'all. Okay, I've been sick. This I thought that. No. Oh, that is really good. I, mean, I know. That's why I was like, oh, you graduated and you got a new job. I was like, is Monica getting emotional? No, no. I was only emotional on the day I walked because mom and dad were not there. But oh. otherwise. That is what I've been doing. It's been crazy. Well, congrats on a new job. A regional director is a really awesome title, big title. So that that's great. Before we move on, how was graduation? Tell us a little bit about that because it was virtual this year. So I know it's a little bit different, but how, how was graduation and festivities after as well? Well, it was really, um, there were like three different It was just like a weekend of activities. Me and two other classmates decided to actually plan a grad party for all of our classmates. So that was really nice. We had this whole big like event venue. We like catered food. Um, And we all met each other for the first time. Can we see any pictures? Yeah, 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 it was all the pictures I was tagged. My oh, I saw those. Oh, I just yeah. thought I, I want to see food pictures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it was just like sandwiches and whatnot because obviously we still had to keep it to a minimum. Um, but it was really nice because everyone, I think, just 
really wanted to celebrate, you know, that big milestone. And we had all never met each other until that night. Mm. Um, so we had like our own little graduation walk and whatnot. Um, and we got the school to help pay for all of our stoles for free. So that was also awesome. really nice. Oh, great. Yeah. Because, you know, they wouldn't, they couldn't throw us our like in-person graduation event. Right. Um, so that was one thing. So and then, yeah. So we basically all pitched in for it. So that was really great. Um, the day after is when we all had a chance to like walk across this like, you know, stage at the Greek theater and Berkeley's campus. Mm-hmm. But there were like no audience, no spectators because they said students only. So what we had to do is we had to all sign up and try to get the same slot. But honestly, mm-hmm. like it was so disorganized, like nobody really like would have cared anyway. So I felt bad <laughs> because a lot of our classmates didn't get to sign up for the same time slot. But all that aside, I'm really glad I did it. Like me and a couple of a handful of us um, just walked across this like empty stage. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you know the Greek theater, it's like empty, huge. Yeah. Right. Um, and we, we just did that. And then like basically after I walked, I like just cried. And then, you know, we like went to take pictures. I have to say, watching you walk virtually, I almost cried too. Yeah. I was like, girl, I, was, so met. I was like, like, I'm definitely more emotional for Monica's um, graduation oh. than my own. But I think that's because I was just so high on stress that like yeah. I didn't think about it. I just wanted to be done. But watching you graduate, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna oh, cry okay. virtually because I think we all just wanted to be there with you and celebrate. But I know, I but still, did too. we celebrated from home and from the heart. So yeah, I was really grateful for that. Um, so that was really nice, and yeah, I I got to. Um, after that, we just went to, on campus to take pictures with the, the rest of my classmates. Um, and then the day after was like our real graduation for, from Goldman, the school, like the, our actual school. And all of that was virtual. It's kind of sucked because they only showed our pictures and we, they didn't get to see our faces in anything or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, that was nice. Like I got to be at home with Nick and my future father-in-law who like took oh. our pictures. <laughs> um and, you know, so that was really nice. But then that was also the day I started my job because they wouldn't let me start the day after. So it was so chaotic. And I felt like I just haven't had time to process. So this is like part of me processing still. And I, I haven't even had time to reflect. So here we are three weeks later, three weeks after graduation. Day, everything <laughs> happened so fast. It really did. Lots of emotions. Yeah. When, Cause when you guys honestly kept saying, Oh, we got to recap. We got to recap. I was like, what are we recapping? <laughs> There's so much. And I feel like, but it also honestly feels like it's been like a year already. Okay, like, how was the school year for you? It was long and I think it was exhausting more than probably any school year for mm-hmm. any teacher on record forever. Like wow. probably was like the hardest year to come by. So yeah. other than that, um, I'm like I said, I'm excited to be on summer break. I am not teaching summer school because I want to come back in the fall, uh, have some sanity left. <laughs> but um, I'm just excited just to be done with the school year and then just spend some time with my family and visiting everybody and yeah. just doing things, simple things, nothing fun. Um, Kitty, I was going to say, um, I feel like you deserve a break, dude. Like, I don't know. How I know. Much- For else, I feel like you're always working, like, multiple jobs. It is. And this is also why I dyed my hair like, you know, gray blonde was to hide the gray hair that I was growing. It was like crazy mm-hmm. amount from just like stress and getting old. And so that's why I also changed my hair up. So I <laughs> that's love something. it. 
cool, but um, <laughs> for real, really more so to hide the gray. But I'm excited, and I'm excited for everybody. I'm still excited about you guys talking about your engagements and your preparations. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, we need that update. For Wait, you. before we move on, oh, though, yeah. can always look cool, just for the record. <laughs> but I'm about to dye my hair too because I've gotten so many gray hairs, so it's a good idea. Yes, yes, do it, Katie. Are we? Can you talk about the move or no? Yes, I can. I'm just not sure oh, when okay. I'm moving. Because I was okay, so but it's so expensive out there that I would literally be living like in a cardboard box, and so (laughs) like I'm like I'm not sure when we're coming, but we're eventually coming within the next year. I will be there, so um, somewhere just can't. I just can't afford homes, and as you guys know, there's bright um, bidding wars everywhere, all over the country. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, maybe so we'll listeners, just Katie and family are moving to the DMV area, so it will be Liz, Ooh. Katie, and myself who will live here in the East Coast. Yes, and yes. Back here again. <laughs> yes, back. Well, still in Alaska until September, but then maybe we could have our retreat on the East Coast or somewhere. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Oh, the war. No, we can go to Miami or we can go to like Mexico, like Mexico, warm, warm. Mexico. Yeah. So, Katie, how do you feel about the move? Oh, I don't want to do it, but um, I'll just hire people to move me out and pack me out or something because I don't want to do that. Um, and eventually, uh, more so, I'm sort of figuring out what I want to do career-wise and then, yeah. you know, all of that. And I think that even though, like, it's the DMV, I feel that it's still such a large place to cover. So we're not really sure oh, yeah, where we want to be. And, like, you know, like, got to find something close to where he will be located at the end because he doesn't really – know yet he's doing a couple different sites right now and stuff so i don't know and right now the reason why we're not in a rush to move because if i move out there i feel like i'm throwing a rock in the pond and then what if i'm like you know <laughs> two hours commute and like well, your husband like, will be here like for for this yeah. next year right yeah so he, he's already out there and he's adjusting. <laughs> um, <laughs> adjusting. He's going to be gone for a little bit for some schooling, but um, he'll be out there. And I mean, he's familiar with the place. Yeah, you, know, you guys so, lived there for yeah. a while. We, we were out there for like three years too. So before all, I think all of you guys were out there. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are still babies out there. <laughs> well, before DC was gentrified too, because DC looks so different now. I mean, Oh, yeah, definitely. Because Matt and I would drive and I was like, oh, there used to be a restaurant here. And that's the one we went to <laughs> when I met you guys in like 2009. Yeah. And now it's gone. Other than that, my life is pretty boring. And I like it like that for the summer. Um, nothing <laughs> exciting, please. And then um, what about you, Liz? What have you yeah, been up to? I know. What's up, Liz? I-, I hope you're having a good time in Minnesota living your single life. <laughs> um, we're, tr- we're, trying to we're trying to make it not single, but it's been rough. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh okay i just want to say i'm really excited for all monica's wedding dress shopping that's really cool um we're going later today and we're going yes again later today um it's it's been good you know like it's it's interesting because i have also uh you know like other friends who are like oh like i'm just like taking a break chilling um yeah i mean for me like i don't know i've just been reflecting a lot um it's been really good to be home um, to see all the babies, um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I just think it's been like very, um, rejuvenating in some ways. Cause I wasn't planning to come back, um, this early at all. Um, I'm actually going on a, a, a portaging trip. So portaging is when, um, you carry all of your, um, camping stuff, like in a canoe 
Yep. And um, forget that. Oh, no, forget oh, that. Yeah. So, I don't so know I'm about this. Oh, you guys. Okay, so I'm I'm training for this. So like, I've been doing cardio. I've been like have you? lifting. <laughs> I mean, not home. Okay, so honestly, I did gain weight while I was here because I haven't. I've been eating, but I haven't been on so my regular much routine. Food. Yeah, I know. Really good food. Really great monk food in Minnesota. But also, um, we were closing out our friends like Vegas Loser Competition. I was doing really well because I was training for this August trip where my friend was like, you don't really have to train, but I'm also like a weakling. I have no upper body strength. Yeah. You just um, got to pack like two days of clothes, some dry socks, a pot for your ramen, <laughs> and a bunch of ramen. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but, Wait, but so, so like, you're going by yourself or like? No, no. I'm going with, um, it's like, I think uh, nine of us, I think. That would be fun. Um, so, fun. So we're in two groups and, um, you know, they're like best friends from from um, high school. Um, I don't know. Our friend was going. She leads a lot of these trips. And then my other friend and I are like, oh, like. Let's just go because we'll be home in August. Um, so I'll I'll be back in Minnesota actually um, for two weeks in August. So if anybody wants to meet up, then that's <laughs> the invitation for a blind date. Oh, no, you guys okay. are so bad. Just go ahead and bachelor. You have any bachelors? for something in August. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, I mean, uh, yes, I will be in the woods. I will Facebook. be in the woods with no phone. I think um, I'm gonna lock my phone somewhere after four days. Um, so yeah. Cheap. So I so, will be, so um, where are y'all canoeing though? Like, is it oh, like so, down um, what? There's a place called um, the Boundary Waters Canoe Area, and so um, so the, this is the reason why so you're portaging so because sometimes, like, as you as you um, you know trek whatever right like there'll be water and so you won't be able to trek across the water and so you'll have to like canoe across oh. like and, and like you know like as you you make your way um, through the area or like as you try to make your way to your campsite so there are campsites where um, you know it's like you know flatish dryish whatever um, but it's it's kind of like so if you ever like read about like the French voyagers who did like fur trading and stuff, it's kind of like what they did, right? Because they would have to like canoe through certain parts, like in uh, parts of Minnesota, <coughs> and then they would like trek through like snow or like you know like just you know the grass through other parts. It's it's kind of like that, basically. I hope you've been adding like rowing into your workout. <laughs> yeah, rowing <laughs> machine. Like I'm yeah, serious. The, the earth, yeah, yeah, yeah. So upper, that I've been, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been, I've been, I've been for focusing on that too because some of y'all don't know um when i was in laos i went kayaking and my kayak capsized because this oh, lead was too tiny to wow. um row uh <laughs> not surprised though yeah <laughs> okay, i want pictures for that too all right let's work on the upper body strain yeah so so yes working on the weights um free weights push-ups. um i know i gotta work on growing and um all of that fun what stuff what is that thing where you like no well, not. anyways, happy to hear that. <laughs> tell us all about you because it's been yes a minute. Talk about engagement. We're excited about that yeah. too. Oh yeah, I honestly I haven't. I feel like wedding and planning is pretty stressful. Monica, I don't, I don't know about you, but to me, like, I, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty I stressful. Don't right? I, I don't like event planning. I do it for certain things, like friends, hangouts, and all of that. But do I really enjoy it? Not really. Like, you know, I do it because I have to. So I think at the beginning of this year, I was pretty stressed about it. And then I started, you know, started thinking about, like, okay, my first thing is I need to get a venue, right? Like after that, then I can move on to something yeah. else. So we've been looking at different venues and we decided on SoCal, mainly San Diego. And then I started doing research. And I'm like, I don't love any places there. Like it just doesn't, 
stick out to me so we decided on lake tahoe oh yeah i know and we're like you know we we love the mountains we love greenery we love like fresh air water we want people to have like something scenic to look forward to so i found this one place that i love like i really hope we get it it's so pricey though it's gonna cost an arm and a leg but (laughs) you get married once yes yeah so tom and i were talking about like our um just finances in terms of preparing for the wedding and we're like you know it's it's something that we're willing to invest in especially for a good venue even if we have to cut down the, the number yes. of people that we invite so we are checking out that venue yes. later this month when we go back to california and then we're trying to fit two other venues in mm-hmm. so it'll be really good like i'm hoping to lock down a venue by the end of um this month or early july just so that we can start planning for everything else mm-hmm. um but yeah it's, it's been fun you know like i've started buying bridesmaids gifts and it's yeah so like i'm like kind of intentional because i know that my sisters are super picky which is understandable you know (laughs) i want to buy something that they will actually use so it's been like interesting doing some research and trying to find stuff that that they will like as well but yeah it's been pretty fun trying to think about the bridal boxes or the bridesmaids proposal boxes or whatever i love that yes. yeah so i, I mean it's gonna be a huge bridal party like i'm making i'm gonna ask my all my sisters and then for the junior bridesmaids i'm gonna have my niece and my two baby sisters or two younger Aww. sisters uh be so junior bridesmaids cool. so it's gonna be a huge bridal party for sure that's so exciting what is a junior bridesmaid it's it's, it's basically just like, yeah, like they're too like, old to be flower girls. Flower girls. <laughs> yeah. Are they? Are you ever too old to be a flower girl? Liz wants to be the flower girl. <laughs> I think. Liz, you cannot be a flower girl. So my two baby sisters are are going to be like teenagers, right? They're like they're going to be like probably yeah. 14, 12, and my niece will be twelve. Oh, so oh. they're going to be too old to be flower girls. I feel that. I've seen That's weddings cute. where they've had their grandmas like to be there for oh. as a cute thing. Yeah. yeah. I was but that's cute. That. Yeah, I was thinking about yeah. that, but I mean that's cute, know, like, but to have like I, a grown adult. No. Y'all be putting words in my mouth. I was not pitching myself. It's okay. I was we were just teasing. <laughs> I know, I know. Same thing with um invitation guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, I feel like the wedding stuff is such a, yeah, it's such a, like, stressful thing. Did you buy a book from you? Like, a... No, I have not. I got some Excel sheets from friends, and then... Tong's very much, like, a project management tool type of person, so he, like, needs to know what he needs to do every day. So I'm like, you manage that. I didn't do that for work. I'm not trying to do that for a wedding. Use the wedding plan. Oh, that's really good. Uh Wait... But yeah, uh, but it's it's been good so far. I'm so excited for all our wedding updates as as we plan this year. Dude, it's gonna go by so yeah, excited for What is the long wedding? Right? Have you all thought about that, Monica? Um, no date set, but I asked my parents. My dad said that we'll probably do it after our our American wedding, mm-hmm. which will be probably late next fall not this year but next year so like yeah after later 2022 (laughs) yeah 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 but still all in 2022 right yeah because it has to be one year how about you guys does it have to be one year 
No, 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 it does not. (laughs) But I think it complicates for siblings, you know. Yeah, for us, my parents are so pretty traditional and and some of those beliefs, so only one person from the family member can get married in one year. Okay, so somebody is planning to get married this year. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, I don't know, but sure, I'm getting married next year. Monica's getting married next year. So my parents are saying someone has to get married either this year or they're going to have to wait another year. But see, that's what I'm saying. Monica has to do her mom wedding. So also. I have to do my next year because then if I don't, it will prolong. So other yeah, so they just want it all to be. Monica gets 2022 to finish all her yeah, stuff. Yeah, off. yeah, exactly. That's what the family plan is. Okay, yeah. do whatever you want. 2022 is your year. <laughs> yeah. So for our listeners who are not familiar with, you know, mom weddings in a family, only one sibling can get married. Um, each year. So it when you have multiple siblings, you kind of have to plan things out. I feel that's kind of like Tong's yeah. siblings. Like each person already is taking a year. <laughs> mm-hmm, basically. <laughs> is that what you all are doing, Minya? Are y'all um, doing yours next year too? So we thought about it and I don't know. So we want to have the mom wedding first to make it official, you know, for my parents and to make them feel like obviously Tong's part of the family, right? So the plan is to do the mom wedding first and then our um, American reception in summer of 2022. We don't know yet at this point. So we do plan on talking to, you know, our parents about the mom wedding. I like, if we do it this fall to get it over with, I'm okay with it. If we wait until next spring, I'm okay with yeah. it as well. Uh, but like you said, yeah. with planning, with siblings planning weddings, we I think we just need to figure out like, is do we need to go this year or do we can we wait until next year? <laughs> because ideally I would want to wait until next year, but if we go this year, like that's fine as well. Um but I think for the mom yeah. wedding my parents' house is just too small, right? So we are kind of thinking like, do we want to be a little <laughs> bit non-traditional where a part of it happens at a yeah. banquet hall? Uh, but my parents have never yeah. done that or that's never happened before. So I think we just need to talk to my parents mm-hmm. about it to make sure that they're okay with it. But like, I, I want people to be comfortable when they come to the mom wedding as well. So we're, we're still kind of working some of that stuff out. Um, still talking about the bride price as well. And we'll see how it goes with my parents. It's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. We'll get another episode and we'll recap to- that. Yeah, and I was yeah, gonna yeah, say, no, should no, we no, come no. and record live? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I I think we'll be doing more wedding episodes oh, yeah, this year sure. as we lead up to to twenty twenty two, which or, is. Oh, yeah, maybe you propose a groom's price and you pay for him instead. <laughs> be like, this is twenty twenty one. I'm gonna buy you instead. Monica doesn't have money. She has her loans. She has the loans. Oh, but I guess he's buying her debt too. So whatever. Monica, you were in the Washington Post recently, right? Yes, um, I was. I was. That was actually just this past week, I think. Um, yeah, in print, in print. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. tell us a little bit about how that happened. Like, <laughs> I, I was so amazed by your, you and your mommy want to be featured on the Washington Post. So, like, tell us a little bit about how that came to be, the story that you both shared. Yeah, um, I was really lucky and fortunate that um, I'm still part of the DC API list. So um, one of the reporters from the the Washington Post basically did a call and was asking for women, API women who are willing to share their perspectives and reactions, stories to 
the Atlanta shootings. Um, and of course, as we know, the Atlanta shooting happened back in March, right? <clears throat> when it was all the anti-Asian like violence and hate was, I think, at its like peak, probably still there. Um, and so I just replied to the, you know, post saying, Hey, um, I'm willing to give it a perspective. And I think my mom is too, cause I think they were looking for that generational, um, sort of perspective. And so, uh, she called me, we had a conversation. It was actually nice. Um, because it was like the first time I got to like see my mom in a different light and mm -hmm. to see someone interview her and like, you know, she actually got emotional about how the anti-Asian hate and the like shooting affected her because, you know, we don't talk about these things. Right. And like, it's always just texting each other, like be safe, don't go out at night. Right. And like, we don't really ask our parents how they've processed it. So it was really nice just to hear her respond to the, to the journalist. Right. Um, and, um, you know, I didn't know our, our, our stories were going to be picked because she did say there were a lot of, you know, um, pitches and uh, it, there was no guarantee. But then, of course, I think to either it was to ensure a diverse array of stories or because maybe we were the only mother-daughter duo they had. Um, we were one of the 10 stories that they chose, which was really amazing. Um, and they had like they hired photographers to take our photos um, to, you know, showcase who we are, our background, um, and all of these really neat things um, to be part of the story. So they did this beautiful collection of me and my mom and then, you know, these nine other women who had really compelling stories and perspectives to share, right? Um, and it was just really nice. I, I was pleasantly surprised and also just, you know, really grateful. Like, again, I didn't really have time to process from my, like, graduation to like work stuff and so when when the journalist was reading the story back to me just to like confirm and fact check right I was like crying because I was like yeah this is like this is exactly it because you know um just hearing her read like my mom's response about like you know when I go to the stores like I and I need to sneeze or blow my nose like I have to like watch my back right and like I'd never heard her say that um mm -hmm. and then she also just talked about how like yeah, I have kids all across the country now, which is not normal, right, for Hmong families. And she said, whenever there's a mass shooting, I always worry, like, because I could be my kids, you know. And she works at a public school. So they do shootings, like, drills all right. the time now. Yeah, I'm sure, do. Katie, you know. And they've had lockdowns and they've had shooting shooter scares, right? And, um, like, it was so emotional just seeing her, like, cry on Zoom about that. And I was like, wow, I, like, never... Um, I've never heard of that. My mom talk about that stuff. So I was just really grateful, like extremely grateful to Michelle, the journalist and, you know, the WAPO for uh, featuring us. So if y'all haven't read it, um, I encourage you to take a look just to, not for me, but to read all of these mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> AAPI women's like perspectives, right? Because what is it titled? So um, find it. Um, I think it is titled... Um, it could have been me or, or, yeah, or, or mm -hmm. that, that I'll have to, um, but if you, if you Google post, like WAPO and like Asian American women, it'll, it'll pop up. Um, and I mean, it was like an all, oh, yeah. it's titled, production. this could have been me. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so like all the photographers were women, all the mm-hmm. reporters were women. Like it was just a very. Can we also good link piece. it onto our website too? Yeah, our oh, listeners. I yeah, we, I think, I think we nice. shared it once, but we can we reshare yeah. it on our website. Um, but it was just really like an emotional tribute because, of course, we know that like of all the women who were lost in the Atlanta shooting, right? And just how much it impacted us. So I think it was also a really like cathartic way to for me to reflect and process on how that shooting and all the anti-Asian violence has like sort of compounded in this last year. Um, yeah, it's, it's been uh, quite, yeah, it was, it was really emotional and really grateful for the opportunity. So listen, Katie, how did you, how did you both process what happened? Like with the Atlanta shootings, anti-Asian hate, and then there was the murder suicides with the Hmong women and I think Cambodian women as well. Right. So, so much has happened. I feel like, um, um, you know, I can start first. Like anytime I hear about these things, like, <coughs> like I get scared as, you know, like, a. I get into like mom mode because like more than anything, when I hear about it, I'm like, oh, is this someone I know or is it my students' parents Mm -hmm. or is it their families? You know, because I work in, you know, inner city school, public school. Um, So, you know, it's like it always scares me. And I look for like the kids' names in the newspapers or like the parents' name. I was like, okay, thank goodness. It's not somebody I personally know because I don't know how to... um, I don't, wouldn't know how to approach their trauma or how to comfort them in that situation. But I teach in a very um, Asian populated city school too. And so when all of these things happen, I think of my students, I think of their families and I think of like, you know, their lived experience. And, you know, it's like, and, and like the whole Asian hate thing, I don't know how I feel about it because it's like, I don't know. I feel desensitized by it because it's yeah. always been our life. It's always just been normal yeah. or like something that yeah. we just shrug yeah. off. And then all of a sudden it's like a big thing, you know? So it's really like, I don't know if it's like, you know, just other people doing things. But then again, like I also think about it too, because I mean, I live in St. Paul, I live in the Twin Cities and all of this is still happening, you know, within our community, you know, with, with, our, with our black community too. So it's sort of yeah. like, it's just so hard to process because it's like, you know, all this is still going, but everyone's processing their own pains, but they can't see anyone else's mm. too. And I'm sort of just like, hey, yeah. everybody, wake up. We are all in the same boat. So can we just yeah. like hold hands and get through this together? Because, you know, it's not because your pain is worse than mine. My pain is worse than yours. You know, it's a collective trauma. It's collective pain. And so more so just trying to find some kind of community within that and um, really embracing it and just moving forward from there. And, you know, of course, when all of this happened, you know, like, and like, it was my, it was my black colleague who came to check in mm-hmm. on me first, mm-hmm. you know, like to be like, Hey, are you okay? And, you know, I thought that was like really powerful because it sent a message, you know, it's like, you know, like it's other people of color who are coming for me to support me, you know, like where are, where are my white colleagues or where are my white friends, you know, because I mean, I know they feel bad and they feel that, but that's their own stuff they need to put aside, you know, it's like put your own like feelings aside and support those that really need it. And so I, I mean, I knew that, I mean, I wasn't surprised by it, but like I said, there's still so much work to be done that I haven't been able to process the feelings, um, you know, like ever yeah. really or anything. And so I guess that's been like my biggest mission is to make sure that, you know, the little ones know that they're okay and there's space for them too. 
Um, I've had like a, a lot of like mixed emotions. Um, I will say, um, a couple things. So, um, I think you guys kind of know, like I, I got on, um, Clubhouse, like during the pandemic, it's kind of like, um, a live podcast, um, app and, um, there are like hella agents from the West coast on it. And then there were a bunch of agents on the East coast. And so, um, for me, like, I was also incredibly, uh, just also like really distraught, right? Like, and, and, and stuff, but, but I'm also like a doer and I knew that there would be a lot of conversations about this because on Clubhouse, especially in the Asian circles, there had been a lot of conversations already, um, you know, about like the, the anti Asian hate stuff. And I mean, I had been on there in multiple forums, just um, talking about how like the media had like overblown a lot of like the black on Asian crimes when actually like a lot of the data show that, um, you know, the, the like highest percentage of um, perpetrators are actually white people um, who mm -hmm. attack Asian people. And so, I mean, like, there's this thing that people who use Clubhouse say, like there's a Clubhouse curse where you get really addicted because that was the way a lot of people were um, connecting with each other during the pandemic, right? Um, but it, but this incident really, um, you know, helped me cure my like Clubhouse curse or, you know, whatever, because um, I just got so tired of like, you know, Asian people who were not willing to be like accountable um, you know, like I, so like this happened and people were like hella angry, but I was like, this white man just like shot up, like, you know, and killed, um, all of these Asian women. And you guys are still talking about like black on Asian crime. Like, are you kidding me? Um, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, think of the people who are able to purchase guns and like walk into like public spaces. Right. And like commit stuff like this. Right. Um, think of like the people who are like, uh, you know, who commit like mass, you know, gun shootings, right? Like they, they, a lot of them are, you know, white men. Um, and so like, I mean, I, I was just like done <laughs> because the Asian men were like, well, it's the black men in the communities and like, da, 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 da. And I was like, no, like this white man just like shot up like all these Asian women and you guys are all like, oh, you know, we want to protect Asian women, da, da, da. But like, that means listening to Asian women and also like, you know, like taking the facts for, for like what it is. Right. Um, and so I, I don't know, like in, for me, like, I think it's amazing that, um, you know, like we're kind of in this inflection point for, you know, the API community and like, um, you know, we're bringing so much light to this, but also, right. Like again, in these forms, like I offer that if you really care about Asian women, right. That means you should like advocate for like equal pay, right. Because a lot of these Asian women were working like low wage jobs, right. That means like mm -hmm. you support like a $15 minimum and you also support a pathway to citizenship for like undocumented people. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, it's, it's not ever confirmed. And you condemn all forms of domestic violence, not just, yeah. yeah. Yes, that's right too. But right, like I think, um, you know, I think the media has uh, really kind of like tried to report about this in a really responsible way, right? But, you know, I, I would venture that, you know, some of these women probably needed a pathway to citizenship, right? And yeah. um, I think that would have like really helped them maybe not, you know, ha have to work in like places like this, right? Um, so there's just like a lot because I would offer that and people would just be like, thank you. Right. But I was like, if you're looking for like solutions in the Asian community to like address stuff like this mm -hmm. and to support Asian women, that means you support like equal pay for equal work and right. Like 
just <laughs> making sure people are not afraid of their status. So um, what do we say about the people who are continuously saying that there's this inner like conflict between Asians and like the black community and that like all these stats are skewed and it's not just white men and that we have to worry about, you know, black perpetrators. Okay. So I, I will say like, also full disclosure, I quote unquote got in trouble because I was calling out this like Hmong writer for like, you know, blowing out things. But I mean, so here's the thing, right? Like, I think as we, as we think about, um, as we think about like how we place ourselves in this, like, you know, social justice, like reckoning, like dialogue, right? Like, um, I think, um, Asian people also have to figure out for themselves kind of like, um, who they want to be, um, in this like future America that we're like, we're, you know, dreaming about. Um, I think that it's true. People have lived experiences. I mean, like, you know, we grew we up do. in the projects, right. Yeah, Where like, do. I know like my dad was like <laughs> devastated because like he, you know, like invested in his car, like, you know, like he really cared about his car and like, it would get jacked multiple times. Um, and you know, like we know who, who would like steal his car, right? It's like the people that you live with, right? And like when, you know, Hmong people came to America, like we were put in impoverished communities where, yeah, like there were a lot of black people and, you know, like poor people like steal from each other, right? Because like, you know, you live in the same neighborhoods and like, you know, they're, they're crimes of opportunity, right? Um, but I mean, you know, and no one is trying to, no one is trying to like deny like lived your experience. lived experience, right? Yeah. But we know like the media over reports black on Asian crime and like, you know, black criminal perpetrators, right? But we underreport like white people, right? Like when that white guy like hit that grandma in like New York Chinatown, like, I mean, why didn't Daniel Day Kim put a bounty on him? Mm -hmm. I mean, right? Like there's there's just like I think um things that we need to think about as a community and like why we are so riled up. I mean it's a, a little bit is yes, like we 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 lived in we live in those communities. Um and so like that happens, but like you know, maybe like, do we discount when like white people, you know, attack us? And is that why like we don't make such a big fuss? Like, I don't know, because I mean, it, we, we, you know, Asian people get attacked by white people too, right? And, and yes. like, in like very heinous ways as well, right? Um, Thanks for that list. Yes. Yeah. So perfectly list because Agreed. I was like, what is my reflection on this? I feel like I just kind of... Because we had talked about talking about this, what, a month or two months ago? And then... And then yeah. you, I don't know. I, I guess I just kind of forgot about it. Um, I think we were just like what Katie said, so desensitized. And there was just so much happening. Like So many feelings. So many feelings. And it's so and complex, right? Like, it's not a black and white answer. Yeah. There's no simple answer. And... I don't know. Like, I think that the public discourse on race relations in America have always been black and white. And of course, if you were lucky enough mm. to study ethnic studies or really great progressive classes where you learn about Asian American history and different race relations in the US, like you have a different perspective about how these communities interact and how they can live together. Um, but, you know, the average person, I, I you're going to rely on your perspectives based on what you saw growing up or based on these lived experiences so for me I agree with Liz like I feel like we can't deny that yes like 
black people stole from Hmong folks, you know, where we grew up, but Hmong people also stole from Hmong people. Like, it's, you know, like, you're, you're all stealing for, you are all fighting for the same resources because you were so disenfranchised exactly. and disadvantaged and yeah. you live in such impoverished communities, right? So when I, t- when I hear, and, and it reminds me of our episode with, you know, Dr. Yang Lore, where, we talked about anti-blackness in the Hmong community, right? And I think in those anti-Asian hate conversations, you still see that and you still hear, you still feel that anti-blackness and how Asian Americans or Asian communities are talking about, you know, anti-Asian hate, right? So like, for example, Daniel Day Kemp's posts or his tweets, I'm like the way that you mm-hmm. are looking at these two perpetrators, like this white perpetrator versus this black perpetrator. <laughs> it's clear how you feel about these two people of different races, although they are they committed the same or same act of crime, you know. Um, yeah. So I think that I don't know. Like I, I just feel there's no simple answer, and I, like I I don't know. Like I don't know what is the, the right next steps forward, right? Like how do you move communities forward and <laughs> Well, I think, I mean, something I saw was that, right, like, I'm not here, like, something about how, you know, like, you know, people are not here to address grievances or, you know, like, um, they're they're here to to take down systems, right? And and, I mean, like, I think in some ways, maybe, like, it, it takes away the personal, but, right, like, if you're there to address white supremacy, right, and, and, you know, um, institutional, you know, racism, then, like, maybe, like, that helps people see beyond their lived experiences. You know, it's not denying that, but it's also, like, understanding that, like, it's a larger problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know how we do that, right? But I think people have to also, like, just not be so selfish and self-centered. Yeah. And maybe not. I mean, I like think that. that's part of it, right? Like, it's, it's not, it's not just about us. It goes beyond our personal lived experiences, right? And then, like, I think what we were trying to counter with some of the interactions we've had on Facebook is that, like, our lived experiences are not the only truth, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's what everyone yeah. keeps forgetting, that, like, what happened to me is the truth and the only truth. But it's not, right? It's just part of the bigger picture. And I think what I would ask our listeners and our community to do is just keep asking questions, like, why is it that we, you know, our, our perpetrators are often the people from our own neighborhood, right? Or it's like when we had the riots in the Twin Cities, like Liz, us questioning, why was there only one affordable income housing complex? Like that was, you know, that to begin burnt with, down that, that whatever, was burnt right? down. Yeah. But, um, and, you know, I think just to continue asking and like the new favorite buzzword, interrogating why these systems exist the way they do, right? Um Cause you know, I had one of my former like younger classmates slash like, um, I guess acquaintances and friends asked me like, uh, like how I'm processing things and how I stay like calm or how I recenter myself. And I just told her, you know, I think everything doesn't necessarily need us to weigh in on. Right. Like, mm. and you know, not everyone needs your two cents. Like you <laughs> might, you might feel like, you have something to say because yes, this happened to me too. Or yes, you know, this type of person attacked me and my family too, but like, it doesn't mean that that's the only truth and, or, you know, the one truth. Right. And I think that goes back to just expanding your perspectives and thinking beyond your own lived 
experiences because other people have lived experiences too. And and I just want to get just another perspective, but I think it is valid to like listen to, you know, because I think that like so many people come in with that, like, you know, that like anger and frustration because they just never had anyone to listen to to them. Mm -hmm. So like, even though like, you know, like we're not trying to be more knowledgeable, more, more smarter or or any, like be more woke, you know, because like, that's like even teaching young kids, it's like they just need someone to listen Mm -hmm. and they need that space. It's like, it's not that they're not willing to make that change or willing to come up with actionable steps, Mm -hmm. but first they have to process their pain and their grievance to, to move forward. So, you know, like that's one thing that I have been taking, um, you know, on myself. It's just like, you know, to always just be like, all right, I just need to like take a break from this because it is not getting anywhere. And then I need to come back and I need to listen to whatever you have to say first. And sometimes it really is just like BS. But you know, like, but then like. You are a saint teacher. But, but then like, you're a teacher, I, I like, I give that space. Yeah. Because then, you Absolutely. know, then I know that I did. Yeah. And then from there, you know, maybe they can, you know, because they needed to. Right. They need vent, someone to you know. Just, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, I, I totally feel that. I think it's just also like the people who aren't willing to change. Right. right? Or the ones who aren't willing to like um, process those traumas and process right. those like experiences but i totally agree i think it takes someone with a really big heart and patience like you and our other teachers to be willing to give people that space because i I, like absolutely i think people just need someone to teach them and to to like be willing to sit with them and help them process those emotions and help them think right that like hey it's okay it's not okay that this happened to you but you know this is how you should handle those feelings yeah because they probably aren't even sure on how why they feel the way they feel mm-hmm. because like with most of us all of our trauma is covered up and covered up and covered mm-hmm. up to so much to where we just like have this feeling but have no clue how we got this feeling yeah. and i could barely remember like half of the crap that happened you know so it's like you know i mean like i think like when these things happen i think it's just like another scab on top of another scab so we just have to be careful treading the waters and stuff and i know that we're all actionable people we want to do something and that's why we don't process our feelings because we're done <laughs> yeah wow that was a little <laughs> heavy that was a, lot, that was a little heavy a but you know so we're gonna like try to end off with like a better maybe centered zone send off yeah I, I mean i think you know just hearing all of this i hope that like everybody's newfound energy of like activism and you know for equality especially for the asians and the Hmong people like i hope y'all channel that energy to good and you know if you don't know things ask questions and maybe like i said don't always chime in (laughs) but um maybe that's not as positive as as i can be uh i mean yeah i thought you were going elsewhere with that i mean for me right like (laughs) sorry there has been so much activism. You know, while yeah. people people have been like cooped up at home. I mean, I know there were like marches and stuff, but I, I do hope that um, you know, when when we reopen, because a lot of places are reopening now, right? People channel that to do good in their communities and um and you know, get to know their neighbors and also, right, like vote in the midterms. Um, right, and like every election is super, super important. Um I, I just I want people to like channel that energy there. Um I think our API voter turnout was like the highest this last, um, you know, election year. And it's going to be even more important, um, you know, as we um, think about the Senate and, you know, like 
just every election is so important. So I hope that people will channel a lot of the the, the talks in Clubhouse and all the keyboard warrioring um, mm -hmm. to, to organizing and voting. Yes. Do not just post those squares on Instagram, people. Yes. I <laughs> love it. Uh, yeah. And, you know, to our listeners, continue to process your feelings, right, and be critical of different thoughts that you might have. And, you know, I feel like before mm -hmm. even this episode, we were kind of talking about like oh how have i processed this and to be honest like i don't really know you know because i think it was so traumatic to hear about these shootings and then the mm -hmm. murders of mom women right after sh that so to me i was like i just need to step away from social media and to just not look at yeah. horrible yeah. news especially to asian american women mom women so you know it's I, I don't feel like there's ever like an easy answer or solution to what you can do but do your best in, in your power, right? At the right time when you do feel like you can do something. Because some people process trauma differently. Like some people need more time to think about what happened. Some people can just, you know, turn into, <laughs> turn into organizing, right? So um, I would say definitely it's, it's a healing process as well. And I feel like our community is always continuing to heal, right? So what does that look like? Um, Katie, anything else from you? Um, yes, my piece is that like with all of this social justice work, it is so tiring and it is so demanding. So please rest and take time to process your feelings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's a really lonely fight, you know, so please find people to work with and find your support system because you do need it. It is so draining. I know this past year I cut myself off the social media for a while just to process, yeah. you know, because it's like like you said, you know, all you read about is like bad news or the people who you thought were your friends don't agree with you. And so you're in the middle of some kind of <laughs> dumb argument on social media. <laughs> so it's like, you know, like cut that out of your life. And, you know, the work will be done, if not by you, by someone else. So it's okay to tap out and then come back in when you are recharged because this work will never end, um, sadly, you know. So it's like, you know, take care of yourself and love yourself and you know your mental health because we know how important that is um if not you know go back to our previous episode we have episodes on that too yeah <laughs> and then um yes and then as we go into summer remember to wear your mask i know i'm like in mom mode so like yes so vaccinated. wear your mask um even if you are vaccinated <laughs> and everyone else around you are you just never know and we still have our elderly community to worry about so yes and wear sunblock. And if you have not been vaccinated, please get vaccinated. And encourage all your friends and family to get vaccinated too, y'all. We're not out of this yet. We need to band together yeah. to get out of this safely. Our website has information, or you can go to vaccines.gov. Mm -hmm. Yes, or you can also DM us. DM us. Monica can help you. Yes, this is her I job. will connect you. So this is her job. <laughs> or if you guys know local old that Monica can um, chime in on too. Yes, yes let us know. Alright, thanks everyone. Bye. Happy summer. Everybody. Enjoy. Be See safe. See y'all next season.